Welcome to the trailer cast with Elise Snipes. Each week, I will be sharing with you from inside my vintage trailer where I work as a therapist and share some of my musings on the human experience. I am endlessly fascinated and inspired by people. I love being a therapist and I'm deeply grateful for the intimate and beautiful work I get to do. I believe we are wildly capable of healing and making this world a better place, and this is my attempt at doing that. Sharing beauty to invoke beauty. May you find yourself inside these stories and ponderings and be better for it. Cheers. Okay, trailer cast listeners, I have a very special guest on the podcast today. Her name is Bonnie Lewis, and she is going to be talking to us today about the field of spiritual direction. Um, if you're like me, you're probably going to have a lot of questions about this. And to let you know, this conversation is not just for people who belong to some form of like spiritual group or who have had previous spiritual experiences. The whole point of this conversation and the whole point of this podcast is to allow you into spaces that maybe you haven't been before and to hear conversations you maybe haven't heard before and to learn to put words to your own experience. And so Bonnie and I are going to be talking today about um, her work as a spiritual director, our work together, and then maybe even how you can work together with Bonnie in the future. So without further ado, my friend Bonnie. Hello. Hello, everyone. And hi, Elise. It is so <laughs> fun to be on here. I'm so excited to have you. I have, since our first like Zoom conversation, I am like, I'm so excited. <laughs> it's awesome. I like cannot wait. And I'm like kind of fangirling because I listened to Trailer Cats like way before we even <laughs> ever talked. So this is like full circle. So fun for me. Isn't it fun? I love it. I, I love it because that's like, I've been able to be on both sides of this um, podcast or other people's podcast. And it's like, oh my God, it's happening. Like we're doing it. <laughs> I know. Isn't that so crazy? I love it. I the love it. technology world has made so many fun things possible. Yeah. Well, so many new relationships. Yeah. Agreed. Yeah. Okay, so I I know, but I want people that are listening to give us like a a quick rundown who you are, personal, professional, or otherwise. What do you want people to know about you that are listening? So my name is Bonnie Lewis, like he said, and I live in Austin, Texas. I have um, a husband that we married for eleven years, and then two kids, an eight year old and a two year old. So we've only been in Austin though two years. We okay. moved here about two years ago. Um, but we, my husband and I met in Southern California and we lived there. I know we lived there for a long time and then we just <laughs> wanted a different pace. We just wanted a different pace of life. Mm -hmm. And to be honest, I kind of romanticized Austin in my head for a really long time. And I have to tell you, it's totally lived up to the hype. Like, oh, I that's so it. cool to hear. That's so, I always, yeah, this greener syndrome where I'm like, I am romanticizing about an idea and then I get there and it's like, not. <laughs> And my other romantic idea that I have in my head, which I think will also come true because you do it is I've always wanted to have an Airstream trailer. Yes. And yes. so yes. that's next on my list. Yeah. So I'll be yeah. two for two. Yeah. <laughs> I, I really can support that idea. I just, um, two weeks ago, I talked to Celeste Holbrook and she has a she shed in her backyard and she's in Fort Worth, but um, we were talking about the idea of like just women and mobility and our ability to be able to say, all right, well, this is the office space I need and how I'm going to create it and how I'm going to be able to pseudo work from home slash anywhere. So yeah. yes, more power to the Airstream and mobility. <laughs> I know. I love it. I know. So yeah. So I live in Austin. We love Austin. And I have been um, in some sort of pastoral role for the past 10 years. So 
that might be a spiritual director, a pastor, a preacher, a teacher. Um, but I'm also, I consider myself more than those things like a, in the camp of a theologian and a, also, um, I'm an author. So that all of those things. And I'm also on another podcast. So, um, I do a lot of talking, thinking, writing, processing, explaining about God Mm -hmm. and the Bible and how we kind of fit into that or don't fit into that and what that looks like and what, how we can live out our lives like that. Yeah. 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 Oh, I got formal training. I have my um, MA from Fuller Seminary. Um, but then I tell you, you really leave seminary and anything like that with more questions and answers, and you don't really learn anything until you actually do it. So um, that feels like the right posture, especially when we think about like the ideas of God, right? Like if you leave with yes. all answers, I fear like a reductionist model of simplifying this grand, <laughs> magnificent being into like, yes, I know all the things be like, Ooh, (laughs) you know, it's funny. It's so so funny. You said that because I started going to this other seminary and the first class we had, I had to write a paper on, um, the Trinity and you had to like each week you had to write something different and it was this paper and it was like, had to be single spaced one page. And so, and then you turn it in and then they like the next class, they picked the, like the quote best paper Mm -hmm. and read it. And so my paper got the, you know, best paper award and they read it and they returned it and it was, they gave me a 98. And I was so (laughs) appalled (laughs) because I was like, there's just no way I know 98% of what there is to know. And I have to tell you, I like went up to the professor, it was the second class of my seminary degree. And I'm like, "Um, I just don't think this is for me. And I quit the class and went Come home on. and watched Lost and enrolled Come in a different seminary. <laughs> For real. No. I can't do it. I think that speaks so much to your like authentic pursuit of like trying to find a space that allows for like an authentic process like in faith where I think a lot of people would have yeah. received that 98% and been like, awesome. Like, this is exactly where I should be. Don't you see that stamp of approval? Like, look, people, I got 98. And for you to yeah. see as like a, I'm in the wrong spot. <laughs> yeah, it really was. Cause I just thought exactly what you said, like, oh my gosh, there's just no way. And also I was, didn't want to be a part of a institution or a system, um, that graded me in such a way that it was an 98%, you know, I wanted them to be like, no, and to push the envelope. So, um, that was one of the best moves I made. So I, then I moved to Fuller and I finished my seminary there and it was, it was a, a huge journey full of questions and deconstruction, but it set me up well because that's now how I approach my faith anyway, as this uh, constant sort of uh, disorientation and reorientation. And so I'm really happy. I almost had training to do that because yeah. now I'm able to help others do that as well. Okay. So talk, talk further on that. So your, your own education and spiritual journey, your process, disorientation to reorientation, and then how that mirrors into the work you do with people. I'd love to hear, I'd love to hear about that. My, our spiritual journey, I really, I grew up evangelical Christian and I did all of the things like (laughs) all the youth groups and the quiet times and the everything. I think I even joined choir, which wow. is, yeah, absurd, yes. as I don't <laughs> um, but I was really in it. And could, because for me, it was really all about following the rules and having right belief. Yes. Um, and so all that kind of came to a head about 
five years ago, uh, we sort of had this awful year and everything that could have gone wrong went wrong. So um, my mom was diagnosed with breast cancer, which by the way, now she's was just declared cancer free five years. Oh, that's incredible. That's awesome. Love it. I know, I'm so proud of her. So that was really great. Um, but then at the same time we got uh, black mold poisoning. So we got really sick, which then we had all these health things and, um, we ended up moving to Colorado because we were so sick. We were wow. just like, we can't, wow. yeah, yeah. We, we needed yeah. to be by family. So we just sort of, uh, made that transition. Mm-hmm. But, um, one of the things that was interesting about that move is that we also got, um, pregnant. I got pregnant with, um, our second child at the time and he, we ended up delivering him as a stillborn oh, and man. it was a total, like freak accident fluke that wow. happened. What? I know. Yeah. I know. It was so um he the umbilical cord kind of tied around like a knot, but really tight as um like a string would be. Yeah. And then it yeah, and then it wrapped twice around his neck, which is um ended up what took his life. So um oh when that happened, there was this huge obviously a physical loss with our son. Completely. Um, but then there was this big spiritual loss because everything I believed that is if you did the right things and you had the right beliefs, you would come out on top mm-hmm. and good things would happen to you. And so I was doing all the right things and none of that happened. None yeah. of that, uh, you know, like yeah. he, he wasn't alive. We didn't deliver a live child. And we, my mom had cancer and we were sick. I mean, it was, it was all of this stuff. And so we really had to deconstruct that and say, okay, either what we believe is true. Um, if this is true about God, then I just, I honestly don't want to be a part of it. Or, um, maybe we were believing something incorrect here. And so we started taking a posture of exploration and of deconstruction. And so, um, over the years, what that's looked like is it started out as me coming to a place of deconstruction because of trauma. Um, but now we haven't had trauma. Thank, thank goodness. Um, and that we really still approach life though, as a place of deconstruction, reconstruction of just sort of looking at what we believe and looking at theology and looking at systems in place and, uh, spiritual things that we've been told, or we've been taught and saying, what purpose does this serve for me in my spiritual walk? Um, do I believe this to be true? Or is this inherited belief? Mm-hmm. And be able to approach it with open hands and asking questions so that we can understand ourselves better. And then we can understand how we interact um, with God better. Oh, man. Um, who like who would pursue spiritual direction? Like, Are these like super Christians? Do you have to be Christian? Like, Who, who would benefit from spiritual direction? Yeah, that's such a great question. So like therapy, I'm under the belief that everybody would benefit. Um, You don't need to be a Christian. Um, Although for me, like I use that terminology because that's uh, my own faith and sort of what I was trained in. But anybody can do it because spiritual direction is really, it starts with the assumption that the spirit or the divine, if you will, is always at work in your life. Mm -hmm. And you come alongside a spiritual director to be a co-listener into what they're already saying to you. So what the spirit is already speaking to you. So um, people sometimes come 
to a spiritual director um, for something maybe that's a little bit more simple and saying, I, you know, I want help with my prayer life. Okay. Um, or I want to be able to get still. Um, other people might come because they want are processing through a very tough season yeah. that they have attached to their understanding of God or the, um, like something that they've decided like for me, when I was going through um, my stillborn, I really attached that to I had done something wrong. And so therefore this awful thing had happened. So right. sometimes people come just like that. They have a season of trauma or something and they're processing through something hard. And so they want to sort of um, talk it out. Or some people come and they have just a theological question that they're wrestling with. Um, it could be something in their views that are changing or in their beliefs that are changing. And they want somebody who serves as a third party and a safe space that they can talk those things out with that they might not feel comfortable um, with their family or their friends or people in their um, own faith group or denomination, but they want a different perspective. So totally. people can come for many different reasons. But what I love about spiritual direction is that um, it's not a process to figure out like God's will for your life. We're not on like a mm. mystery hunt. It's mm. not about solving something. Okay. It's about exploring. Um, and it's about tr learning to trust ourselves. I think at least from my background, yeah. and I run into yeah. this a yeah. lot with people, yeah. is that one of the biggest things is that people don't necessarily believe that they can trust their own emotions, that they can trust themselves, that they can trust their intuition, if you call it, or their beliefs. And so they feel unsure of that and nervous about it. And so sometimes the spirit is speaking to them, but they have really been taught to not listen to their own desires or to their own self. And so I love spiritual direction for the fact that it teaches us to trust ourselves and that the spirit is working through us. Um, and that we can listen and it's sort of, it's, it's a dance we do. It's not yeah. a solve for, but it's a dance that we get to do with the divine and see where he moves and where we move and how he speaks and, and how it's, we work together. And so I, I love that posture of, um, spiritual direction. Yeah. That's a, yeah, that's a gosh. And it's interesting, right? Because there's, I, I've had, um, I get spiritual questions a lot like as human beings I do also work from the understanding that we are mind body spirit mind body soul and that does not mean you have to belong to a Christian denomination or that everybody has to be a Christian I think spirit is like the emotional heart center as something other than ourselves something that um, is is spiritual I don't know how else to explain it other than it's not a thought and it's not a feeling it's something that fits into this other like amoebic category right. and that can be taboo in therapy because we're not you know our our goal is not to bring spiritual enlightenment. That's not what therapy is. And hence the right. need for spiritual direction or having this other partner of um, this is in, this would be in Bonnie's house of like, Hey, I'm having an existential crisis. What I believe about being a good person isn't adding up to the things I'm receiving for my life. Or um, yes, how do I understand exactly. the problem of evil or why do bad things happen to good people? Or can I wrestle with these deep philosophical, existential, spiritual things that might not qualify as therapy, but surely qualify um, to meet and talk with someone like you. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And I think one of the, um, I love that you even have it as an outlet for, for people because it is so necessary and so needed. I've yes. often gone to therapy when I needed spiritual direction yes. Yes. and then it, I find, you know, oh no, this wasn't the right thing. <laughs> yes. 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 Yeah, it can yes. be. Exactly. Yeah. 
Yeah. <laughs> I, I, you know, I've wrestled with that on both sides of the couch in my own perspective or my own experience. Like yeah. as the, as the person going and receiving, looking for spiritual direction from a therapist and then feeling like either one, they hadn't done that work themselves. So they couldn't lead me. Um, and then, right. you know, which it was, I mean, I think that's frustrating no matter wh- whatever's going on, be like, ugh, you just don't get it. Um, but then to be <laughs> right. able, right. To take that to a spiritual director is, and for, I, have a preference for sure for people who've done their own work. Like, I want to know that like yeah. you've been on, like had your Job experience. Like I want to know that like there's been mm-hmm. something that's brought you to your knees so that it's not just a, a pat answer or a memorized thing. Tell me, talk to me, yeah. lead me, rebuke me. I don't care, but give me something that's right. genuine and real. Yeah. That's coming from a place of learned experience. Yes. Totally. Yeah. Yeah. I, so good. Yeah. So would let's give me an example. Like if does spiritual direction, am I answering questions? Are we talking together like this? Like, should, what would it be like if I came to spiritual direction? Is that what yeah. So <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Like a spiritual direction appointment. Yes. You could, there's many names. You could really call it whatever you feel most comfortable, but yes, for all intents and purposes right now. Yeah. So, um, someone might come and, um, th- it's kind of a perfect role for me too. I, I'm not a small talk person, so I'm not one to be at a party and like just shoot the breeze. And so it's perfect because in spiritual directions, one of the things they teach you is like, hey, you don't settle for just a I'm fine answer Mm -hmm. because the goal is to do deep soul work. So anyone coming should be aware of that. But most people are, you know what I mean? That's why they sign up. It's because they really, they want an outlet to do that. And so like one of the first questions I'm just going to ask straight out is like, um, I'm not going to say, how are you? I'm going to say like, what is the state of your soul? And even then, I know exactly. You're right. Deep end of the pool. (laughs) Just jump in. Just just jump in. But we start there because I mean, even for me, when I say that out loud in asking somebody else that it's an an invitation to take an internal inventory Mm -hmm. and I don't think that we do that. And I know that because I know I don't do it. And I'm very easy to have a quick emotion about something, but the state of my soul, what I feel deep within there and the questions I have um, is really not something that we are trained or even taught to explore. Mm -hmm. You're right. right. Yeah. And so we do that because then I take the posture with whatever the answer is on the other person's end of that I'm hopeful and I'm here with you. Um, But I understand too, is that people are usually coming in because they have fragile parts of their soul that they need to be heard and they need to have a safe place there. So we start there of just taking sort of an internal inventory and that's conversational. I then just say, um, hey, like I just am acknowledging that you feel this way. And then I leave it open-ended for the first few um, sessions and just say like, what is it that you want to talk about? And I want the person to really from, after we've taken an inventory of our soul to then what comes up for them. The, the best thing I love about spiritual direction too is that you can't be simple enough. And mm-hmm. what I mean by that is that we don't want overthinking. Like I don't want you to nest, you might come in with a very specific problem, but usually it's, I'm asking you the phrase, what is coming up for you? So when you looked at your soul very quickly here, what came up for you? And it could be something that you wanted to talk about, or it could be something totally different. Totally. (laughs) 
you know? Yeah. Um, but it's an invitation. And I want the person to just talk to me about whatever it is that's on their soul. And then my job is to find patterns as we jump from conversation to conversation and find patterns of different longings that that person might be trying to put words to. Yes. So it's very conversational. Um, it's very open-ended, especially at first, um, because they're talking. And as a co-listener, my job is to listen in. And those patterns signify where the spirit is moving because right. these are things or thoughts that keep coming up for them. Mm -hmm. And so we identify those um, together and we, I sort of um, say, hey, I, you know, I hear that you're saying, and these are things that I'm identifying in you. Um, and we sort of discuss that. Like, does, does the person feel that that's true? Is, is that on track? And then from there, um, we decide how we, how we want to explore that together uh, based on their learning style or um, what they feel comfortable with or what they have time to. Because the point of spiritual direction is for me to a person to feel safe and free to talk about whatever it is they need to talk about from a soul level mm -hmm. for me to find patterns because those patterns signify to us how the spirit's moving and working. And then for us to sort of have homework over the week together in which uh, the person who is attending uh, the spiritual direction, you know, who, who wants help or whatever is that they're going home and they're making space and being super intentional about being able to hear the spirit um, in whatever realm that they need to hear and to hear it in. So would you give me, like, if I was your person, would you be helping right. me like with exercises? How am I learning to understand like, or no notice like the sound right. of that spiritual voice? Yeah. 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 That's a, such a good question. So lucky for our listeners, you were so kind and sent me <laughs> <laughs> all my spiritual problems. <laughs> I did. I did. You I was did. like, oh, you need some. Oh yeah. I got a list. I got some going. I loved it. I loved it. So let me, I just had them up. So, um, let me find them. But so that's, that's the whole point is that it takes a while. It's like a trained voice, if yes. you will. So, um, my job is to help you identify those. So, um, a, it might take a few sessions. Anyway, someone might come in and go, gosh, I didn't hear anything over the week because that's the other thing. We're really trained to like hear a small voice or like look for a sign or, you know what I mean? Like oh, have yeah. sort of this big aha moment. Right. Um, but that's not at all what it's about. Right. Um, yes. You know, instead it's, it's about, like I said, learning to, um, learning to trust ourselves. And it's about, um, kind of finding patterns in our own life. So here, let's, um, I asked you, yeah. So I asked you like, Hey, what's some stuff that maybe you're processing through either now, or you had in the past that you wished you had, um, a spiritual director. So I'm going to read these back to you. And then if you could, just, <laughs> if you could just sort of, um, well, I'll just, I'll just lead you like we're sitting in an office together. Okay. So, um, you said here, just a few, um, Number one, how to go to church and not feel so triggered. Mm -hmm. Number two, how to find meaningful spiritual practices post-church. Mm -hmm. Number three, how to navigate charged religious conversations with grace and power. Mm -hmm. Number four, building community outside the church. And number five, moving from deconstruction to reconstruction. So, um, 
I've read those back to you. So just take a moment, maybe take a few deep breaths and tell me what comes up. How, what is the state of your soul when you hear those five things? Um, I immediately felt like it was tattered. Like there was a mm. like it's like, um, like an old worn shirt or something that mm. like had just been, yeah, it's like, it's like an old faded tattered garment that mm-hmm. I, I kind of almost want to like hide or protect because it's so precious to me, but it's been so hurt. Mm-hmm. I don't want really other people to see it. So yeah. uh, protected, worn, tattered, a little bit of shame. Mm. I'm in there when I'm just listening. Um, fear. I feel the vulnerability of youth. Like I feel young. Mm. Like, like, oh, I, because that fear feels, I identify that fear with somebody being somewhat younger. Um, but then for sure, this like ongoing, like resounding optimism that there's got to be something other or better than this. Right. Mm-hmm. Thank you. Thank you for your vulnerability in that. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, so let, let's start with, um, let's start with those first two. Just yeah. tell me what comes up on how to find a church or how to go to church and not feel so triggered mm-hmm. and how to find meaning spiritual practices post-church. Mm-hmm. In those two statements, sort of just talk to me about, about what those, what you mean by that or what's in that for you or what are you thinking by that? Just I want you to just talk and I will find some patterns. Perfect. Yeah. Um, I want to be able to go into a semi-evangelical space and not feel like this like global wounding. I think I was personally injured by our old church and I still have a difficult time separating that from like all churches everywhere, even though intellectually I know that that's absolutely not true. Mm-hmm. Um, I've even been to church. I went to church last weekend that was so, so spiritually healthy. Uh, I sat and just cried through the whole service. <laughs> so, mm, yeah, so, I love that. Yeah. And I think as I'm just, again, like just whatever free associating, uh, the day before we knew we were going to church, I was so afraid and I felt that fear. And then going to that church, I, I decided okay, I need to lean in to the trigger instead of back away. I want to lean in and hear what it has to offer me. The mm-hmm the fear, the experience of feeling, can I allow myself to be here and be what it is rather than me write out how I think it's going to be or interpret the Mm. experience. So I think that there was a need to learn to retrust myself and God in a space that used to provide injury and doubt. And I want it to be, I want to reclaim it, man. I I want it because I love, I can't help myself. I love Mm -hmm. I love, I love the church. I love God. I love in the deepest part of who I am. And so I feel like a fight in me to want it back in a way that Mm. feels good where I don't have to compromise, um, that I believe everyone should be welcome. Yeah. Yeah. So Mm. I like this fire in me that kind of rises in. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, totally. That's good. That's really good. And so what does that um, mean then? I hear you right in, in that, just even in that, I hear you talking a lot about um, <clears throat> a space mm. that there is, when you think about church, mm-hmm. you said it three or four times, you described it as a space to go. Mm. Yeah, so a place to go where you're, 
there must be yeah. some sort for you, some sort of meeting there. You yes. meet with the divine, you meet with the community. There's, there's something that happens there in yes. a specific, very specific space for you. Yes. Um, so when we're talking about that, uh, let's dig a little bit deeper there and let's tie in that second question, how to find meaning spiritual practices post-church. So yes. if uh, the question I want you to explore for yourself is, um, when I think of church, do I think of space, a very certain space? What happens in that space and why is that significant? And, um, and also what spiritual practices mm-hmm. happen in that space mm-hmm. that maybe you still want to hold on to, even if you're not in the actual building of a church, if that makes sense. It makes perfect sense. Yep. Um, I know. Okay. So right away, what came up was one of my favorite things in regards to having a physical space was invitation and inclusion. So I, mm-hmm. yep. I, man, I know that in my spirit, like I want to just be like, Hey, come with me. Let's do this. Or, Hey, let's go. Like, I just want to like bring all the people <laughs> and be together. Mm-hmm. Right. And so I think that there's that massive part right away is I want a safe place to be able to invite anyone. And mm-hmm. because I know that that table holds like the best meal of all time. And so of course I want everyone to go and to eat of it and be together. So mm-hmm. there is something about a physical space. I want to be able to bring people to. Right. And so there's that. So you want to go for yourself, but you also want to be able to bring anybody else with you. I do. Mm-hmm. Literally. I mean, yep. like, yeah. And then I believe that to be true about you. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) It's yes. And so then the, so like, I guess spiritual inclusivity and as far as the practice, really it is just more of a being together. Like, and I don't hold so tight to the sense that it has to be two worship songs, a message and blah, blah, blah. You know, it's like, that's like kind of lost on me now. It's actually kind of annoying to me. Um, (laughs) It's yeah. Uh, meaningful spiritual practices would uh, be um, some form of like intentional, like soulful connection, whether we are mm. talking together or sharing parts of our lives together, whether we're eating a meal together or sharing experiences, um, putting out a crazy, ridiculous thought just to see what takes. Like I want freedom and dialogue to be able to say, I don't totally know what I think about this, but here are some things that are kind of floating in my head, heart space. And can we learn to have discourse about this in a way that, um, speaks to speaks to love and and being together in a way that makes us all better yeah yeah you're sort of meeting together in a way of this common good yes definitely Definitely. absolutely where people and and people feel invited Mm -hmm. and included Mm -hmm. um, and safe these are the words i wrote down for you of invitation inclusion safety um, and togetherness so i love that i love it thank you for being vulnerable and for recognizing that. I know that that can be scary because it's um, admitting things that haven't been true for you. Mm -hmm. um, And it's also admitting longings that we have that are very fragile and important longings. The things that come up from our soul, those are precious things. And so thank you um, for doing that. So I'm going to take you through this exercise um, and it'll be, we'll do it together now, but really it's kind of your homework. Okay. So you're going to have to. I love it. This is so beautiful. Thank you. Oh, good. <laughs> well, somebody needs to, I will obviously, but anybody else listening, hit Elisa up and ask her, hey, yeah. how did that go for our week? Love it. Um, <laughs> so one of the things that we talk about um, in the space of spiritual direction is the difference between sacraments and sacramentals. Okay. So mm-hmm. 
Um, a sacrament would be exactly what you think it is. Um, these are places that, that we have been taught or we believe that God has promised to act. So um, it's something that we find in church, like a worship song, or um, like we believe that God should show up there. Um, or it's when I take communion that something happens. Like I have a belief maybe that something happens in communion and he, and that's a core belief of mine that's, that something should happen there. So, um, for you, I want you, if you have something that you can write it down, it can be on your phone. It can be a whiteboard, whatever is list two or three, um, beliefs of sacraments that you have, that you feel that God has promised to act within this space that you call, have called church in the past. So not your new vision of it, mm-hmm. but something that you believe that he was, he had promised to show up there. So whether that be community, it could be teaching, it could be reading your Bible, it could be whatever, just pick two or three and um, write those down on, you know, one column. Cause we're going to write three more of this, of sacramentals after explain okay. that in a column next to it. Got it. Yep. Okay. So what did you put? Um, You're I, so brave because most people uh, never hear what anybody writes. <laughs> oh, I, I, that's like, man, that's my get down. I want it because I think if we can hear a real conversation, people can read themselves right. a bit better than like hear the idea of what it would look like. So yeah. Um, <laughs> oh, I think that there's, I, I wrote down worship and in the form of song and then communion and but it's it's kind of those that also like the sil- the silent reflection, mm-hmm. the listening that's happening during that time. So it's not me singing, but it is right. during the so- the songs and or during communion that I have this opportunity to feel like I'm kind of taking the elevator up into some heavenly realm and have this opportunity to pause and just kind of some like honest, humble reflection mm-hmm. and connect like soul to soul. So but those two places right. in the overall sacraments felt and the most precious to me. Mm, yeah. And do you feel like, how does it feel to re-enter into a church setting? Um, do those feel like they have been to mm. take, to take words from your own, how you feel yourself? Do they, do you feel like those have been tattered in some way um, for you? Yes, <laughs> I mm-hmm. feel guarded that the worship has felt manipulative mm-hmm. and that communion has felt cheap. And mm. uh, yeah, so, you know, there's like, if those are my, those would be the two injury words. Yeah, absolutely. Okay, so let's leave that there. I'm writing down uh, manipulative and um, cheap. That was a, a really good word to describe that. I too have felt that. Um, okay. So now let's move on to our next column and we're going to come back here. Um, so those are our sacraments. Mm-hmm. Um, our next column is about sacramentals. Now sacramentals are o- actually objects that remind us of sacraments. And some of these can be purposeful, um, in our lives that we've put there in our lives, such as maybe you wear a cross necklace mm-hmm. Or you bow when you enter a church, mm. um, or you know something that yeah. we do on purpose. But more often than not, we have a lot of sacraments that in our lives that are not on purpose, and these are things that we have either done, whether it be um, 
music we listen to or the way we've decorated our house or certain rhythms we've put into our lives um, that are we are using to mimic mm-hmm. these sacraments that mean so much to mm-hmm. us. Yes. And so if we look at your list here of sacraments, we have worship through song, um, and then we also have communion. And in those two, it's the sort of the sacred space that those two offer and the silent reflection that those mm-hmm. two offer. Mm-hmm. So I want you to, and you don't, you can take as long as you need on this. So if you were my client, I might say to you, Hey, you could go home and do this, or we can spend 15 minutes in silence and you can do it now. It might only take you two minutes, whatever it is for you. But I want you to try to think of two or three things that you have done. And it literally could be as easy as my morning cup of coffee, right? But it's it's something that you either a space you have carved out or a place that you've decorated or something you wear or the way that you talk or the way that you posture that mimics what these sacraments of worship Mm. and communion mean to you. I like this. Okay. I'm taking down some notes on this too. Mimic. Um, Wow. It's interesting because I don't, I don't even think I would have realized I didn't notice, but you, Mm -hmm. as you were speaking, I'm like, oh, I have so many things that I, without realizing it was borrowing, maybe it was borrowing and then mirroring back into my Mm -hmm. own home because I think maybe I, what I was doing. And again, I'm just totally reflecting off the cuff here is um, if I do not have a church I belong to, then I need to make my home the church. Like then my mm. right, then my home needs to be the place where there's invitation and inclusion. Right. And so we have been as a family super intentional about wanting to have like make sure our home is open to other people. And so inviting people in for meals. And I don't know if that mm-hmm. maybe is a form of like that's been the communion space. Yeah, absolutely. It's like, right. It's like that. Um and then I there are specifically spaces in the house that I choose to like sit where there's nothing and just mm. I crave solitude and silence. Um, I say as a mother of three <laughs> surrounded by people all the time. <laughs> totally. <laughs> yeah. As my, I think it's my favorite spiritual discipline. And so there's two places, a, a, a chair in our living room and a bench by our front door that I use or think about as threshold spaces or just space mm. that I take to say, this is me here before it's me there. Mm-hmm. And I, yeah, that's without a doubt. Like those are, those still feel very soulful. So those, yeah, those are off the top of my head are the, are the, cool. the spaces. I love that. So I, I wrote down um, meals, but I wrote down a large generous table. Yeah. Um, and then I wrote down this, a chair and a bench um, mm-hmm. that they mm-hmm. have become these sort of sacred spots. Yes spots for you. And we all have these things. We all have, um, excuse me. We all have like almost rituals that we do, like you said, that borrow and mirror. Mm. So what's great is that you have a long time, you have a longing for a space, um, to be able to enter that Mm -hmm. space. One of the questions you said was, I want to be able to go to church and not feel so triggered. Yes. And, um, what, what I'm seeing here and the work that I'm seeing the spirit do here is that you want to be able to enter this space, invitation, inclusion, safety, those are all so important to you. And um, the beauty is, is that like you said, the spirit has been working in your home and in your personal life, offering these things when the actual space of a church has been absent. Mm-hmm. And I know you also desire to reclaim these things yeah. so that you can enter and feel that way. So that's going to take a while. 
that's a practice that we can just work week in and week out. And sometimes it'll feel like you're not getting there. And sometimes it'll feel like you will, because there's, there is, and this is where actually spiritual direction plus therapy together yeah. really works. Yeah. Well. It's so neat to think about totally. Yeah, Cause there's some places there for trauma that need to be unpacked. That wouldn't be a spiritual director's job as you know. Um, but so this week I want you to hold on to this list hmm. because if we're trying, if our goal is to reclaim yep. these sacred things, um, what we have to do is like you did when you went to church is lean into mm-hmm. these places mm-hmm. and call out what is really good. Yes. Because yes. I believe that if we can acknowledge and you can acknowledge and like take a moment and make something even more sacred than it's already there, the spirit's already working to have these generous table gatherings in your home, um, to have these places where you sit quietly on this chair and on this bench And so if you can take a moment and any time over the next week, you see these things happening, a generous table being formed, or you find yourself on a chair and on a bench, we're going to have a practice in place of something you can say, something you can smell, something you can hear Mm -hmm. or do to mark that in your mind. Because what I think sometimes can happen is when we realize that the spirit sees you, that God sees you. He's aware of these longings and he's making space for them outside of the church. Our hope is that someday we can return to church and they don't carry as much weight because they've been fulfilled in these other places. Totally. But we're also, yep. And we're also in practice of calling out the good that we do see in a broken system like church because we're so in practice of calling out good of these things in our own lives. Wow, Bonnie, I have the chills right now. Oh, yeah, yeah so I do funny. seriously because I'm like, oh, I feel it. I'm like, yeah, I see that whole connection. Um, mm-hmm. Like, I, I know the parallel in my own work to that unpairing, to that broken, right. repairing, literally like a Bluetooth repairing, to, right? Like mm-hmm. this healthy, good reclaiming the good of that experience because we're not throwing out all the old things. It was just that, right. you know, we don't need to. We don't need to throw out all those broken things. Yeah, we don't need to. And we need to, and it's also a chance for us to remember that yes. Um, yes. you are growing and evolving. And so these sacred things um, are taking on new forms. Yes, they are. And there's something beautiful about that. Like I wrote to you, you said, after you said that you wrote, like, I'm obviously in process. And I'm like, mm-hmm. being in process just means you're paying attention. Yep. And I believe that to be true because you're paying attention to what the spirit is doing. So so uh, let me ask you this. What... Um, sticks in your brain the most? Um, is it a, a song? Is it a smell? Is it um, a uh, words? We want to find something that's uniquely you that any time in this next week that you see a big generous table in any way that that comes out in your home or you find yourself in these sacred moments, we're going to put in place almost a ritual for you to do either then or for you to do at the end of your night as you're looking back mm-hmm. over your day. Because what it will do is it really makes this mind-body connection where um, you know we see something generous and we are able to to light a candle, for example, to mark mm-hmm, it. So we're, mm-hmm. we're going to find a marker that would speak exactly to you. So what is the best way to that you learn or gets your attention or speaks to you? Is it auditory? Is it um, something that you smell? Is it something that you hear? What is it for you? Um, I think it's like, there's just something experiential. So I want to say like, a, which all those things are. The What struck me is, um, I just finished reading the story of Hagar. Um, mm-hmm. I've taught on that before. So I love that 
story and how she names God. And yeah, she's like this foreigner. And so she says like, you are the God who sees me. And there, and then you said something about how God sees me. And I'm like, okay, that definitely feels like it's resonating because mm. what I have felt being outside of the church is like this sense of like, where is my place and where do I fit in? Where do I belong? Do I, is there still room for me? And mm. then yet there she is in the wilderness. And then that's right. where she feels known, seen by God who technically isn't even her like God of, of, of whatever, of belonging. And so right. um, I think that I could, um, stand in or sit in those spaces I what's coming to my me right now is putting a hand over heart and then just professing like that um I this is the God who sees me Mm, I love that I love that and that is something that you can do anytime you see it or um that's my biggest recommendation because it's right then something if it's like for some people if they want to listen to a whole song then I recommend like doing that at the end of the night while you look back (laughs) over your day um, but let's do that because that that's a form of what we call breath prayer in spiritual mm-hmm. direction. And it is literally this quick prayer and you just do it. And what's great is that if you can do that and you can cultivate over this next week, um, putting your hand over your heart and saying, this is the God who sees me, mm-hmm. is that our hope is that not only are you practicing like you do so well anyway, but gratitude and awareness mm-hmm. of these spaces in your life. But, but um, when we become in the practice of those, then I would be interested to talk to you again and find out yes. the next time you went to church, what good things came up and you automatically did the same thing mm-hmm. in a space <laughs> totally. that yes. feels hard. And, yes. and it's like, Oh, wait a minute. You know, uh, God still sees me even, even in this space. Yes. So let's do yeah. that this week. Yeah. Done. Um, okay, cool. Yeah. And yeah, we'll see. Um, yeah. And we'll just, we'll just see how that resonates because my hope for you is that um, when we just become more aware of these things, um, the loss of church right now for this season for you, my hope is that it feels a little less heavy um, because you see how the spirit is providing these other outlets for you. Totally. Totally. You really totally. Okay. I can do that. Bonnie, that already right. feels like there's a sense of like, like that little like flutter in my heart of like, Oh, right. Like there's like life, life will exist in this place again. And yeah, that feels hopeful. And it also feels concrete. Like I like that there's a sense of like, Oh, okay. I can do that. It's practical. It's doable. It's of my own spiritual experience. Um, and you just kind of illuminated ways that I could do that. I get, I get, you mean by patterning, I get, I, I love, Mm. um, experiencing from this side, that's what this work of spiritual direction looks like, feels right. like, sounds like, yeah. Okay. I'm so glad. Yeah, I know. And it is different because it's, and for any, any spiritual director, the things that I say, like you did, you were like, oh yeah, you're right. Like it's there already. <laughs> you know, we're just not, you just need someone sometimes to be able to call that out and to see patterns. So I'm so hopeful for you. I know that there can be life again. I know it. And I'm really feel uh, privileged to be able to walk alongside you to see what that life looks like. So thank you for just like bearing your soul. (laughs) That is awesome. Oh my gosh, totally. Yeah. I, and it's, and I trust you, you know, it's, and this is something that's interesting. And one day we'll play back the recording to this conversation. Mm -hmm. But when we first spoke, I have to tell you, I literally, like I led with so much pain Mm. and I like immediately felt like I entered a conversation with a sense of defensiveness, like, oh, but I need you to know, like, here's all the things that have hurt me. And so here's all the things that, you know, and I'm like, wow, like, I hope 
my hope for my own healing as far as spiritual direction goes is that I will not lead with pain, but that I will lead with like, with freedom, but that there has been both pain, but there's also great healing. And so that right. I don't have to um, put out that notion of, hey, warning, hurt alert. <laughs> yeah, totally. Totally. I know. I know. And the, you know, what is so great is that I think most people do come in leading with pain. Um, and, but like this conversation, it's the spiritual director's job to remind them like, Hey, if you were just all about the pain, you totally wouldn't be here. Mm. You know, like, you know, there's something yeah. there, yeah. but I think people lead with pain because I think we do live in a world where we are not in practice of holding each other's pain well. Mm-hmm. And that's my job is to say, Hey, I'm here to hold your pain with you. Yes. Yeah. And this is like one of the main reasons why, like, I really, when we had like that, without a doubt, like pretty radical conversation, I was like, this is God. Like, this is, I know this voice. Mm-hmm. I know this experience. I know this connection. I know this feels, this is, there's something sacred happening. Yeah. I think that we hold uh, um, whatever that old scripture is where the, the, they're holding up his arms, both of his arms, one man on each side. And I think like, that's kind of what the picture I see is, is like, you're on mm. one side and I get to be on the other side, but we get to like boost or hold up um, people's pain, spiritual, yeah, and we need both because we're so integrated as human beings. And there's so much room for the different ways in which we get to hold that or enter into or join or, or carry that burden with the people that we get to work with. So yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So I'm going to plug That's for a, a second. The, uh, the people that are listening, um, um, Bonnie is available for exactly what you just heard for these just very soulful listening, just for considerations of your own spiritual journey. Um, if you want more information or want to know more about that or want to try a session, like I, I encourage, I'm not going to dare you, although that's in my spirit to do so. I want to like, (laughs) (laughs) it's because it's so it's, it's real and it's, and it's intense. And again, this is, this is not only for people that are post-church and in pain. This is not only for Christians who've never asked questions or for people that belong to, to Christianity. I think the spiritual direction is a really crucial um, journey for our experience as humans as we continue to like evolve, actualize, and like live into the fullness of who we are. And the spiritual cord is a part of who we are as humans. Yeah, absolutely. That's really well said. Bonnie, talk mm-hmm. to me a little bit through your idea of Tim Shell, um, mm-hmm. the project that you're working on, and maybe what you want us to know about it. Yeah. So, um, well, gosh, it's like been just such a crazy whirlwind, really fun. So Tim Shell is actually a, an idiomatic Bible translation that I'm writing and translating. So uh, what that means basically is idiomatic is the emotions or thoughts or feelings that would have been native to the speakers of the time. So mm-hmm. Yeah. So my, (laughs) I know. So I had a, just like you said, like I really wanted to reclaim things. I've always loved the Bible. I love um, studying it and reading it from so many different perspectives, a historical perspective, cultural, linguistic, like, and a faith perspective. So I've always really loved it. And that was one of the things for me, um, kind of how you described when we were talking about communion as cheap. Mm-hmm. That's was an experience I had, um, but with the use of the Bible in church. And it always really upset me because I didn't, I had a skill, I have a skill set where yes. I know how to go through passages and things. And so then when I listened to sermons and it was a very, it presented such a small view of God um, that 
excluded people or left people out. Um, and also wasn't an invitation for people to come. I mean, I have been in pain or I have been in joy or wondering, and you're supposed to quote, turn to your Bible and you read it and it doesn't make a ton of sense. Or you just hear echoing of like terrible theology that you've heard. Yeah. 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 And so for me, um, one day I was just frustrated by it. And my husband said, well, if you could do anything you want to solve that problem, what would you do? And I was like, well, I would write a new translation, but I obviously can't. And he's like, well, why can't you? I was like, well, I don't, I actually don't know. (laughs) I don't know why I can't. Question. Good husband. Yeah, exactly. So I spent the next year um, figuring out what that what it would be and what it would look like. And I I really came just from listening in conversations that like, there's a real point of disconnect with our own lives and this ancient, ancient book. And some of it comes, like I said, from bad theology, but some of it becomes is it's hard to understand. It was written in a different world than what, the world we live yeah, in now. In a different world. Yes. Yeah, like literally. And so it's confusing and we don't necessarily know how to approach it. And so what I did was I said, you know what, that's it. I'm just, I'm going to do it. I'm going to take all my knowledge about how to exegete the Bible as I would do for a sermon. Um, I'm going to take the original languages um, and I'm going to take the historical background and the cultural background and the commentaries and what I know, and I'm going to put it all together as best I can. I'm going to take 20 stories and I'm going to put all those things together in the writing so that it reads like a translation does, but it gives you a much fuller picture of what's actually happening in these stories. So um, it really resembles, if anyone's familiar with the Jewish concept of Midrash. Midrash. So um, yeah, yeah, yeah. So what I say is like Tim Shell, it's an uh, the official tagline that we've like decided on is that it's an idiomatic translation that breathes like a midrash mm. because I believe that that's how the text should be approached. That mm-hmm. it's this thing that should breathe. It should breathe mm-hmm. life into our communities and into ourselves, but we also need to give it room to breathe. You know, scripture was never designed for one person to just stand up and just tell us what it says. It was always designed to be talked about in community and to right. be wrestled with and to yes. look at from all these different angles. And so the point of Tim Shell is exactly that. So um, I hired an editor and a psychologist and a designer. And I said, Hey, if you could get paid for this, like this is what we're going to do. And if you're going to, if you can get paid, what would you get paid? I wrote down all their numbers. I figured out what it would cost to actually print the book. And then I decided I just put it on Kickstarter I and I it. said, <laughs> we'll just see. Yeah, how this goes. Like, let's just see. Yes. Like that's normal. <laughs> and, um, it was so funny because like, I, I literally, I'm just this person in like a small town in Texas. And so it was hilarious. Cause like the night before it's about to go live, it was like 10 things you should do before, before your Kickstarter campaign. Exactly, exactly. And I'm like, I guess I should have read this a while ago, but whatever. And so I look, the first one's like, never put a book on Kickstarter. And I'm like, oh, great. <laughs> Let <laughs> alone the Bible. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And it like went and told this story about like how like Seth Godin, uh-huh. 
his publishers were like, if you can raise 40,000 on Kickstarter and it's Seth Godin. Okay. I mean, we're talking, you know, like, yeah, yeah, exactly. They were like, if you can raise $40,000 on Kickstarter, we'll let you publish this new book. So for like, it's obviously almost impossible to do. So I'm like, okay, awesome. And then the second thing was like, make sure you have at least like, like X amount. It was like thousands of followers on your platforms. And I'm like, um, okay, that's not me. And so like, I'm going through like number five, I just stopped. I was like, well, I didn't do any of these things. Right. So I just put it up there and you can still see it if anyone's who's interested, because on the Kickstarter page, if you go to Kickstarter and you just Google uh, or you just search Tim Shell translation, you'll see it on there. You'll see the video that we did about it and then a sample passage. So you can Mm kind of see what it looks like. But what was so neat is that it was like, it wasn't these big, huge organizations that came forward or churches or anything. It was all of these people saying, I want to read that. Like I need that in my life. And I, and we got it funded and it was $32,000 and I, nobody was more surprised than I was. I mean, I was like, what in the world? And so we have just been writing it. It's out due to backers, uh, February. And then I were, we're going to release it to the public, um, in the spring of next year. So, um, funny. What a big, yeah, yeah. Yeah. It's really been fun. We're halfway done, which was like, feels like a, like both a milestone and also like, well, don't stop too long to celebrate. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. It was really exciting. And And it's a way for people to like you said, be able to approach the text without being triggered, um, to reclaim something that means something important to them, mm-hmm. that's beautiful to them in a way that still brings life and brings yeah. hope. Yeah. And so, so far, that's the feedback we've gotten. We've got so many, so many people say like, um, I was abused at church and yeah. I haven't read the Bible in 10 years, right. but right. I would read this. Yes. And like, it's just these stories of like, this is what people need. And I did it in the way that we did it because I think that we need a new construct. I think that the way that we approach the text right now isn't working. Right. Um, but we almost sometimes don't know how. So yeah. I think this gives up. It's not complete, um, but I think it's a really good starting point about how we can reframe these conversations around the text. So I love it. I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm excited. I feel like there's, again, like there's that hopeful flutter that um, there's more voices. I like that there's, that you have a female voice, obviously have a bent towards that in the sense of, right can I hear the feminine voice of God? Can I, can I understand, have that space reclaimed as well so that we are moving away and this is going to get controversial, but away from like the patriarchal, um, you know, construct that we've been fed for so long. And could we be able to hear from just a different voice? Just, just yeah. (laughs) Well, yeah. I mean, and it's a firm belief I have too, that God isn't gendered. So he's somehow transcends both genders and encompasses both genders. And, um, you know, one of the passages we did in it was, uh, Ezekiel 37. Oh, and I said, I sent that one to you. Oh yeah. Yeah, that's right. And, um, you know, he, the, the writer talks about Yahweh and then talks about the spirit. And anytime he talks about Yahweh, it's a masculine pronoun, but anytime he talks about the spirit, it's a feminine pronoun. And if you go on to read the story, you know, it talks about these, these dry bones in this valley and then the spirit, um, just to stay uh, consistent here with the pronouns, she breathes life into these bones and then the bones um, sort of come to life and it says they form this great army. Well, I don't know about you, but 
that has always been used of a, as a, like this militant passage that God like, yeah. and there's this military power and that just really poses problems. And I'm looking at it and I'm looking at the Hebrew and I'm looking at these she pronouns and I'm realizing, oh my gosh, it does say army, but it's not in the sense that we as Americans, this super world superpower take it to mean. Um, that's actually such a small part of the passage. The language here is actually this womb language. Mm how God like knits us together and protects us in the wilderness. And so um, we translate it like that. And we use she for the feminine pronoun where it is in the Hebrew, because if we can't acknowledge some of these feminine aspects of God, you know, I do believe it's the same thing happens when we don't allow women to teach is that we miss out on half of the story. And we miss out on sort of half of this beautiful nature of who God is. So there's some of that in there to bring that out. So I don't know. I'm just, I'm really, really excited and honored oh, to be able awesome. to write it. I love it. Um, a couple of things I want to say since as we wrap up is, is part of this is for people that are listening and have feel like they're either like on spiritual migration or are wanderers, um, people who have either <laughs> even never even come in or towards these camps, um, that the invitation to experience Tim Shell or spiritual direction or even this podcast is extended to every person everywhere. Um, yes. Conversations about faith and spirituality are not restricted to spiritual spaces or organizations anymore. And the more right. that we are able to freely talk and engage and experience and get curious and, and kind of honestly just can we just play around? That's like that midrash approach to being able to toy and appreciate and respect, but also question like, who are we? What are we doing here? uh, And what are we doing here together? And and I think that that's like what I want people to like take from this is that all questions are welcome. All people are welcome. And there are people available to have these big conversations with you. Yeah, absolutely. And it's a safe spot. There's nobody Mm -hmm. that has to feel like Mm don't have some sort of prerequisites to enter the space of the conversation. Totally. Yeah. 100%. Yep. I love that. Um, Last and other thing is um, where people can follow up with you right now. You will be eventually, um, we're finishing our own website, but where can people find you on Instagram or other spaces you want them to touch base with you? Yeah. Instagram is probably the best one. I think it's the most fun. So it's the only one I (laughs) spend time on. (laughs) Totally. So I'm on there under Bonnie Gail Lewis. Um, and you'll see me. I have like a profile picture of balloons when I we got fully funded. I was like so excited. So that's me. And then um, you can also, if you want to just more information about Tim Shell, you can write in on there, which is just at Tim, Tim Shell Translation on Instagram. Perfect. I love it. Yeah. Bonnie, you are a gem. I want you to know that. Like there's, um, I feel... Like we were supposed to have known each other. And so I'm so, I'm so thankful, just deeply appreciative for just my knowing of you. And I can't wait for the other people that are listening to get to know you as well and to benefit from the work that you're putting into this world. So thank you. Uh, Thank you so much for creating a space for all these people and these conversation that is so needed and so big. Mm, So good. Okay. Um, we are, we've got work to do. So <laughs> um, I'm going to take walk with my spiritual homework. Um, I hope the people listening maybe even followed through some of their own exercise and or yeah. will follow up with you as well. Um, but this is, yeah, the beginning and the continuation of something beautiful. So thank you. Thank you so much, Bonnie. Um, and to people listening, um, listen in to your own spiritual experience and mm-hmm. begin to borrow questions and come up with answers that maybe you didn't even realize that were within you. So yep. 
have the best week everybody (laughs) thank you thanks for listening i hope you enjoyed what you heard if you are interested in beginning your own work in therapy or coaching you can go to www.elisesnipes.com follow me on instagram at elise snipes collective where i will be sharing more with you throughout the week You can get in touch with me to suggest a topic for the show or to ask a question from your own life you would like to have answered. Or just say hi by emailing me at elise at elisesnipes.com. Remember to subscribe on iTunes and tell your friends.